Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you on Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in. Damon Barr, for some sick joke reason, is wearing Iowa State gear. Don't do that. Nebraska basketball fans are freaking out. Jamie Pollard, stay the hell away from our mayor. We'll get into that. Not going to happen, <laughs> as I have been wrong before. But uh, the coaching carousel is interesting in basketball. We'll dive into it. Uh, we'll spend some time here on what Nebraska has, what Nebraska needs, and what can Nebraska produce at running back here for the fall. And uh, we uh, are <laughs> count me in and on counting down uh, spring football here two weeks away. So we'll dive into some running back discussion. Lots of NFL news and notes. Malik Collins, a $6 million deal yesterday. Seathan Carter going to... I'm not quite ready to call them my Miami Dolphins unless Snowflake and Marino return to South Beach. But uh, Seathan getting paid, that's awesome. Uh, good for him. And uh, we'll, of course, uh, catch up with some of our favorites. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Mitch is in Arizona. He's taking a time out for us. Bless his heart. So Mitch Sherman in about 20 minutes. Uh, Craig Smith is with us. We love Craig Smith. If I could get a Utah State flag and wave it in here, I would, because I I am all in on Craig Smith, former Nebraska assistant, former head coach at South Dakota, and uh, he is three for three at Utah State with the NCAA tournament, first team to make the tournament last year before COVID went middle finger on everybody, but uh, Utah State, a a showdown with Texas Tech in the 11-6 matchup. So we'll talk with Craig Smith here in one hour, and uh, then we'll spend some time with Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet, go around the uh, the openings and the uh, the likelihood that your Final Four, and I just filled out my 15th bracket. This one's the, uh, the real one, though, because it's on paper, and whiteout is yes to my right. So we got that handled for us. Make yourself available Friday. Be down, Longwells. The uh, prizes for picks party commences. Hooksy and Willie J and Elijah going to be uh, rocking down at Longwells. They'll get you ready for the tournament. A special, a special hooks and friends from nine to eleven, and then uh, let the, uh, the the madness commence. Your play-in games start at four Thursday. I get on a jet tomorrow for Arizona, so I will be golfing and watching basketball outdoors in 80-degree weather. Yes, that's not even a humble brag. I'm, I'm just very thankful to be able to do that, go hang out with my mother 
and uh, no doubt she will shake me down for the five dollar tournament entry fee for the uh, the Schmidt family pool. Uh, no IOUs from her or for her. So we'll get into all of this. Friday, Longwells, prizes for picks, ESPN Lincoln, be there. Uh, go see Hooksy and Willie J and Elijah. Damon, are you going to make an appearance or are you going to be so full of green beer tomorrow that you may or may not be couch bound Friday? I don't know if I'll be able to to get up to make that, you know. It's going to going to take well, a toll on things me. Things tip off at 11. You'll you'll shake the cobwebs by 11, correct? Uh, I could do that, I you guess. You and your rum. So, now, so let's dive into this. And there was a group of folks I I chat with that are that are big Nebraska fans, and my buddy Dave out in Hawaii's huge Nebraska guy, still wearing the Abdul Muhammad jersey, and they're like wondering, does Iowa State go after Hoiberg? Is there a sequel here? And well, Jamie Pollard is as good of an athletic director as there is. He has been fantastic. I mean, I know the Paul Rhodes hire for football kind of ran its course. But he went and got Campbell, who's incredible. Uh, he went and got the mayor, made them incredible, right? And and I know the the, the recent hire of uh, and now firing of Steve Prom was not great, but there's just been a lot of turnover with Iowa State basketball. There there just has okay. So they they make their move, and now the dominoes start to fall. Right there, there, there's two phone calls that Pollard is making. Nothing's tapped. I don't know this, but you go kick the tires again on Fred Hoiberg, unless you see the ten point two five million dollar buyout that Bill Moose put in. God love Bill Moose. That is going to absolutely. Um, I mean, it, it, it's it's like wearing headgear at prom. It keeps people away. Right. <laughs> 10.25 is insane. That is protective. And if you're Hoiberg going into year three, you like your roster, you want to prove that you can rebuild. It'd be okay to go to Iowa State. It's home. But you're going to get that phone call. And do you try and recreate Hilton Magic? And the answer is no. You try and make your own PBA Magic if you're Hoiberg. Right. And you're going to be in a, in a position in the Big Ten that's insanely difficult. It's way harder than the Big 12. But the Big 12 is not easy either. And, and to bolt after two years would, would not be cool. Despite the buyout, I think Fred's fine. I think Fred's off limits. But if you're Pollard, you make that phone call anyway. So you have T.J. Olzerberger, who's had two tours at Iowa State was an assistant under Greg McDermott and Hoiberg. So this is the right-hand guy, okay? And listen, he's done well at South Dakota, and then he got the tap to UNLV. So he went from from Summit to to Mountain West, and now Oltz is is the guy that's going to get the phone call. The, The domino effect could happen. We know little Richard... Patino got the New Mexico gig. I I am I'm surprised and I'm not surprised with with Patino and the name and 
the the job he did at Minnesota. Is he great at Minnesota? No. Did he get to a tournament? Yeah. And you get a you get a younger version of Tim Miles who also has gone to a tournament. And you know, I talk to people who know Coach Miles, and if you're Tim Miles and you did as well as you did in the Mountain West to climb out of the Mountain West to get a, a Power Five gig, if I'm a Mountain West school and I have an opening, I'm hiring Tim Miles with what he did at Colorado State, how well he's recruited there. And if you're New Mexico, you're going to kick yourself here in three years for making this decision today because Tim Miles knows the lay of the land. He's won in the league. And Patino's backstory, it's not that that, that, that little Richard can't, can't rock on to, to Breaking Bad land and do okay, maybe, but what, where's his connections? Where's his ties? How's he going to be able to, to scour... West Texas, New Mexico, California, Utah, wherever else, okay, and 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 make it work. He's he's been in the Sun Belt, he's been in the East Coast, he's worked for Daddy, and and that's why he got this job. The AD at New Mexico wanted a name, not a certainty. And there's no certainty in coaching, but there is a bit more certainty about Tim Miles winning and building in the Mountain West, and the reality is this, New Mexico's a rebuild job, and no one does it better than Tim Miles. All right, when we're talking about taking a program over and and winning, okay? So this is a whiff by New Mexico. I wish Coach Miles the best, and I hope he gets a gig. So let's talk about what's open. Iowa State's open, Minnesota's open, Indiana's open. What may be open? Well, who's who's the, the big dogs? Indiana. Do they go get Beeline? Does Beeline go back to coaching at age sixty-eight? If he says no or isn't comfortable doing that because a lot of his kids are still at Michigan and he'd have to go try and beat them twice or more, he may not. He might not want to get back into it. I, I'd make him an offer he couldn't refuse. He still has, I think, seven years left at a minimum. So you have the Indiana gig. If if Beeline says no, then you're making the phone call to Chris Beard in Texas Tech, okay? And and he will absolutely run, run. And there is a bit of an Indiana connection because he worked for 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 Pat Knight, who was Bob Knight's kid. So he gets the the Indiana mystique as he was an assistant under under Knight at Texas Tech. So I think that is probably more likely to get for Indiana unless Beeline says yes. Maybe you go get beer just from an age standpoint and, and go that route. So that leaves, what, Texas Tech open. Where does Texas Tech go? Do they make a phone call to a guy like a Craig Smith? Do they make a phone call to a guy like Tim Miles for, uh, for that Power 5 gig, Power 5 experience? Because Indiana is going to go after Scott Drew. They're going to go after... Uh, Chris Beer, they're going to go after Beeline. One of those three will say yes, which two of those three are, are currently working. So, domino wise, does Baylor open up? Uh, down the list, does does Bama open up? Down the list, does Texas Tech open up? Does Arkansas open up? I'm talking Eric Musselman. I'm talking Barnwell at Clemson. Some of these Power Five league league gigs could open up as we circle back. Uh, the other gig that's open is Minnesota right now. And if I'm Minnesota and your your budget's around $2.5 million, 
if I'm Minnesota, I am absolutely uh, looking at a guy like Craig Smith for that job. If I'm Minnesota, I look at Porter Mosier, who's done an incredible job at Loyola. Uh, but you also have Iowa State now open. Does Iowa State get into the Craig Smith, Porter Mosier sweepstakes? Do they think about Tim Miles? And and maybe I'm overshooting my skis here with Miles to a to a Power Five gig versus a group of five gig. But I'm talking about guys that have gone to the tournament in a Power Five league, and, and Tim Miles is one of those guys. And Craig Smith is a guy that makes sense. Uh, Porter Mosier is a hot name, uh, and then. Also, when we talk about Tim Miles, Mountain West, if if Oltz goes back to Iowa State for that opening, that would open up the UNLV job. And Timmy Miles in Vegas could could be nice. I mean, that's the math I'm doing. Some other jobs that may be opening, uh, Utah State. If Craig Smith, and he just signed an extension, okay, through 2026. I don't know the terms of the buyout, but... There's another Mountain West job open for Tim Miles. Could be UNLV, could be Utah State, and then there are some of the Power Five gigs. I, I you know, Minnesota's, I think, Craig Smith's dream job. I think it's Tim Miles' dream job. I'm sure they're hopefully getting a chance to interview or say, hey, we're interested. Let me get through the tournament here if I'm Craig Smith, because from a matchup standpoint, Utah State could do some things. Uh, you know, if you're Arkansas and Clemson, I think you're, you're okay. Does Miami move on from Larinaga? Uh, is is Frank Martin packing his bags in South Carolina? All things I'm interested in. Uh, and, you know, the New Mexico gig is the only gig right now that's filled. And they made the wrong hire compared to what is out there or what they could have gone and gotten. So we'll see where Tim Miles lands. We'll see if Craig Smith's name surfaces. I know it's been mentioned for, for the Iowa State gig. You've got uh, the uh, the Drake squad, uh, who's uh, an at-large team, uh, Darren DeVries. He's done really good work. He's a name that you could and should think about for Iowa State. Um, is is Dana sick of, of, of Oregon? This is kind of pie-in-the-sky list. I don't think you, there's no way in hell you leave Oregon for Iowa State. Sorry. Uh, maybe Beeline. I don't know. But you try uh, if if you're if you're Jamie Pollard and you've been able to land coaches that are super super high level, I'd be interested to see if the uh, the Indiana gig has to move on to choice number three. But you want out of Lubbock for Bloomington, maybe. I don't know how big a crazy girlfriend Indiana is. Maybe they're a really crazy girlfriend who still thinks she's hot, even though she's not. That's kind of where Indiana's at. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, at Damon Barr, chris at hailvarsity.com. Who do we got? We got Jason. Jason, thanks for jumping in, man. What's up? Hey, bud, you know I've been with you for a long time off and on. Uh, you know I love you, Schmitty, but Miles, solid coach, good coach, not a bad coach, but 1-13 against McDermott when he was at Creighton. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Mexico is a basketball school. They're not like a powerhouse, but that's what their brand is. That's that's yeah. in their own mind, bro. I mean, they think well, they're a powerhouse. 
There's plenty of basketball schools out there that aren't world beaters, but they have, you know, the Richmonds, the Old Dominions, the New Mexicos. I mean, you're telling me, Jason, you're telling me right now you would hire little Patino over miles at New Mexico. I know that's what happened. If you're in the AD chair, that's the move you make. I mean, he, he made it loud and clear to me when he, you know, we lose consistently to the Stamfords and schools like the Incarnate Ward at home, you know. Oh, it's, the, it sucked. Talent. You don't remember Nosit Sunday or, or a near miss in the tournament uh, his second to last year here? You remember more bad than good? Oh, I definitely remember more bad than good with Miles. I mean, the comedian, the joke routine ran, ran dry with me about a year and a half, two years in. Mm. You know, so I, I think Miles is a good coach and a solid guy and you're a coach loyalist. I mean, you have the coaches on. You build the relationship. My you, my you, point is this: I I don't care if Miles gets the gig or not. I think fit wise, he's way better because he's won in the Mountain West. Uh, little Patino has he's maybe flown over New Mexico. That is a good point, and that's that's uh, very valid. And yeah, he'll get a job. I think he's a guy that belongs at a Western Illinois or something or SIU Edwardsville or somebody like that. I wouldn't even stick him at uh, Richmond or. Uh, no, you I mean, know, he, he's got to kind of stay in his lane in the Midwest or Mountain West, I think. Yeah. Jason, appreciate you tuning bro. Thanks, man. Thanks, bud. Yep. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time to get caught up with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. So I'm headed, uh, well, I guess your way, Mitch, uh, down in Arizona. You beat me to it, man. Congrats on a little... R&R, thanks for stepping away from vacay to talk some football. How you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Enjoying uh, a little bit of time away before spring football and trying. Uh, you know, these limited seats are, uh, are a challenge, but trying to uh, maybe catch a few innings of Royal Spring training while I'm uh, down here. All right. We'll get to football in two seconds. When did, when did the Royals bug bite you? I was like four or five, and my dad always just loved watching George Brett. So yeah. I would go to his similar, softball games. Similar. It was right about the time that the Royals started to get good in the mid-'80s. Right. So I was around and old enough to remember the 84 playoff team that lost to the, uh, to the great Detroit Tigers. Mm. That, was a, that was an amazing team and went on to win the World Series, and the Royals were, um, were swept out of the playoffs. But um, – in uh, 85 I was all in for sure <laughs> and I I that, that was that was what hooked me I would say and that was a great year for Brett and it was a great time to be a Royals fan you know even even after that when when things went south a little bit you had Bo Jackson and and a lot of players to root for so you know just a 30 year dry spell until <laughs> until things perked up again the last decade and, and hopefully it won't be that long hopefully that the uh you know, the Bobby Witt train is pulling into the station, and, and soon he can help with this core uh, lead Kansas City back to uh, respectability. It's it's just always fun to, to, to get caught up and watch Royals and uh, even better in the sunshine in, in Arizona for some spring training. Mitch Sherman's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. It's where you find him. So I know we're a few days removed from – uh, the Oklahoma-Nebraska fiasco. And, man, what a weird day Friday was. As I got one ear and one eye out to, you know, how 
how real is this with Nebraska, Oklahoma maybe not happening? And then I'm getting ready for state basketball. And I know you were on high alert as well. Mitch, as we kind of distance from Friday, uh, I really enjoyed your column as well on The Athletic just with just the the, the tone this kind of makes uh, heading not only into spring football but beyond for Nebraska football. It's just a, a hard look, and it's it's not going to – you're not going to be able to white this out. Right. You know, I woke up Saturday morning and I thought, man, that was a weird dream. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it, it seemed like that. And, you know, you mentioned having one eye and one ear on – trying to determine if it was real. You know, I think part of the reason that this was so quiet in Nebraska, Nebraska is a small place where a lot of people, um, you know, hear a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And generally when there's breaking news or some kind of a story that maybe catches casual observers off guard, you know, there, there have been whispers about it. And, you know, we've heard it. Other people have heard it. That wasn't the case on this. And, 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 you know, in doing some reporting on Friday, I, I came to realize that part of the reason that it was as quiet as it was and, and that this hadn't in any form really leaked out uh, is because anyone who heard about it on the inside, you know, thought it was so crazy and so bizarre or so embarrassing for Nebraska that it just didn't get talked about. And, you know, I think that speaks right there to the, the nature of what this was. It was, as you said, a, a bad look and, you know, ultimately something that ended all right or, you know, better than the alternative. And, you know, Nebraska probably should send a thank you card to Brad McMurphy of Stadium because if he hadn't let that cat out of the bag, maybe two weeks from now there would have been an announcement about a game that was scheduled against the MAC team or Old Dominion for September 18th in Lincoln. And you can imagine the uproar, not just in Lincoln, in Norman, but around the country if that had happened. So um, Nebraska was called on this, and it was uh, it had its, its feet held to the fire. And Nebraska did the right thing on Friday by sucking in its pride and saying, okay, this was a bad idea. And I know that's not the way the statement came out, and I'm sensitive to the financials of it, to the economic impact of an extra home game. But look, Nebraska had to pay a million dollars to get out of that contract. So there's, you know, 20% of your ticket revenue that you would get, ticket and, and, and other sales that you would get from an added home game. And you have to consider that Oklahoma was not coming to Lincoln in 2022 if Nebraska pulled out of the 21 game. It just wouldn't happen. There's no way the Sooners were going to do that. They would say, see ya, we'll find another, another team to play. And there's an economic impact then down the road to Oklahoma not coming to Lincoln for a game that will be huge for uh, the economy and everything that's going on in Lincoln 18 months from now. When we talk about, you know, where the program's at, you're heading into year four, got a number of guys back defensively, OU's money. I mean, they are good, they're loaded, they're playoff material. Uh, the, the baton was handed off, not dropped, and you might even have a little faster lap time with Lincoln Riley. The, the way things have transitioned so well in, uh, in, in Norman. But it's okay for Nebraska to go kick off September 18th. And while public embarrassments are no fun for the fan bases and really no fun for the players or head coach, it's okay to go 
swing uh, swing for the fences, so to speak, uh, in, in a measuring stick game. I mean, that's that's why you come to Lincoln to play ball. That's why you coach in Lincoln, and uh, that's why these uh, matchups are set because. You know, aside from the, the beauty of the nostalgia and the Oklahoma-Nebraska connection, I mean, people in the college football world want to see this game, whether it's overtime uh, or, or a blowout. Let's, let's at least see the action. And that's, that's the hard part to swallow where there's some insinuation. Uh, just turn on social media. Maybe not the best judge, but just the way that Nebraska is being painted in this is trying to duck kind of a game is why you build Memorial Stadium into the palace that it is. Mm-hmm. So you can get a return date and put your best on display for the entire country to see. And in no way, shape, or form should Nebraska in year four or in year one under any coach expect that it's going to get its butt handed to it in a game against anyone six months before that game is played unless you're playing the Chiefs. So, you know, Oklahoma's great. Oklahoma is a top-five team, most likely, uh, going into the 2021 season. It's a college football playoff favorite, certainly a a top contender. Nebraska is none of those things. But it has some stuff going for it. And you hear it when you listen to Scott Frost talk about this team that that he has coming back. There's a lot there on defense. Talent on the offensive side, young talent that they're excited about. And even the suggestion that Nebraska is afraid to play Oklahoma, afraid what may happen if it doesn't show well in that game and how it could impact the season going into Big Ten play is just something that's unthinkable in the way this program wants to be viewed and the way that it has been built over decades. Mitch, do you read into this at all when it comes to to Frost and the confidence he has either in himself or or in what he has down there? You know, I think that that's that needs to be kept in check a bit. That Scott's going to have an opportunity at some point to talk about this. Yeah. And, you know, going into spring ball, he's going to get asked about it. It's, it will have been in the rearview mirror for a couple weeks at that point, and we'll see what he says. You know, he, he's got time to formulate the right answer. I don't want to jump to conclusions and believe that whatever happened here was entirely because he's not confident in his team's ability to go to Norman and fare well. Mm. Um, I do understand the sensitivities that are at play right now for him in year four and the importance of getting off to a good start and heading into the teeth of your Big Ten schedule with some momentum. You know, but the game's there, and it's been there for almost a decade, and it's hugely important to everything that is Nebraska football because it's Nebraska-Oklahoma, because it's 50 years after the game of the century in Norman because there's a return visit from the Sooners in 22 and another home-and-home series on the schedule almost a decade down the road. There's so much about this game that goes beyond week three of 2021 um, that it's, you know, it's just, it's hard to put it all, uh, you know, into, into one 
uh, little basket at this point. But we want to hear. Everybody wants to hear, I think, what Scott Frost has to say when he does get the opportunity to address what happened here on Friday and in the days leading up to that. Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, and uh, can find Mitch uh, with The Athletic. Uh, subscribe there, and of course, uh, give Mitch a follow on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, uh, get a shift gears and a story that uh, you've been working on on Diedrich Mills. Loved watching him play ball, and uh, really uh, pretty in depth with Mills. Mills opened up about uh, mental health and uh, really kind of bore his soul uh, with a a piece he wrote uh, uh, for Nebraska. And uh, you've been able to, to go a little deeper with Mills and, and people that have been pretty important in his life, not just family, but also uh, some of his coaches and also athletic director Bill Moose, just uh, with, with different aspects. And uh, Mills is trying to really help out uh, his family. And, and obviously his dream's been to get to the next level, but you really do a, a, just a phenomenal job of detailing that. It was a pretty... Um, pretty eye-opening for you to to work on this project yeah and you know the last year's been it, it has been um you know hard for a lot of reasons and one of them is is that we haven't had the opportunity to have those kind of conversations with nebraska football players that we normally do because you know face-to-face interactions just haven't happened during the pandemic it's all the interviews are done on zoom mm-hmm. and you know i was able to arrange uh to talk to Diedrich. he was on the phone but he, he was in new jersey uh in february working out, getting ready for his pro day, which is next week, March 23rd in Lincoln. And that's just a huge, huge day for Dietrich because, you know, he is obviously not, um, you know, Najee Harris. Uh, (laughs) Dietrich's got work to do, for sure, as a 24-year-old guy to get onto an NFL roster. He may take an undrafted route. um, He may be a late-round pick. That's probably going to depend on what happens next week in Lincoln. And that's why he's been at work so hard for the past couple of months. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. We continue on. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Follow Mitch on Twitter, at Mitch Sherman. Some more thoughts on Big Red Football here with Mitch. You know, I, I think there were a lot of people at the end of the season who looked at the seniors on the Nebraska roster and thought, man, it would be great to get this guy back, and it would be great to get this guy back. And all fans, you know, should think like that. You know, of course, you want to have the key players back um, when there are opportunities for them to come back. But it was a no-brainer for Diedrich Mills, despite his his love for Nebraska and what the school has done for him as a player and a person over the past two years. um, He's 24, and he's got a family, a mother, three brothers um, in Georgia, a brother in California who's in the Navy, who's doing the same thing, trying to support his mom, um, who's been out of work for the majority of this pandemic, and even before that, um, worked three jobs at times when these boys were growing up, single mother in a little town, Waycross, Georgia, to support them and get them to a place where they would have opportunities in life. And he's had an opportunity, and he blew an opportunity at Georgia Tech with uh, positive tests for marijuana, something that he has owned and talked about. And he had struggles in junior college, um, and he had struggles with mental health in junior college and when he got to Nebraska. So to overcome what he has to get to this point where he's on the cusp of putting himself in position to move on to the NFL, um, it's an inspiring story. 
And Diedrich is, is one of the easiest guys to root for. Um, I would say all around the country when you, when you take his story and put it all together as we get into this portion of the calendar where players are preparing themselves for the NFL draft. You know, and when we talk about Mills and one thing that I look at Mills with and I go, man, the way he ended his junior season – the, mm-hmm. the the run he had against uh, the the several runs he had against Rutgers, uh, you know his final game where he has kind of another Wisconsin esque type performance when he gets the football, man things just went so much better for the offense when when Mills was healthy, and I think uh, Mitch and you can correct me if I'm wrong but I think Mills played hurt last year a lot and he really tried to gut out as much as possible. Uh, to to help his team out, and, and I think I hope NFL guys take a look at that because he's just you, you hear the term grinder, and, and that he is that to a definition. He's been his whole life, and I know you you mentioned the ups and downs, but he always just goes to work, and I appreciate that about him. Yeah, as Ryan Held, Nebraska's running backs coach, told me, um, you know, he could have he could have hung it up after that Penn State game. Uh, Mills hurt his knee early in the Penn State game, went out, didn't play in that game, didn't play the next two weeks, and he made it back in December for the last three games of the year, but he wasn't fully healthy and didn't even really get to be close to fully healthy until the finale against Rutgers when you saw him go for 191 yards. And it's, it's interesting, he's, a, he's, a, he's I don't know if it's a unique kind of back, but he's the kind of back where if he gets into a rhythm, you know, he just gets better and better as the game goes on. And he had a great second half in that game at Rutgers. It was cold. It was physical. Nebraska's offensive line was was gaining momentum as that thing went along. And he was the perfect guy to have back there to take advantage of it. Um, similar in a loss to what he did a year ago, as you mentioned, against Wisconsin, going for over 180. And he did that a couple of times as a freshman, as a true freshman at Georgia Tech back in 2016. He was the MVP of the Tax Slayer Bowl, had 170 yards rushing against Kentucky. So he has that in him. And, you know, I think if you watch those games, you're going to see a guy who's capable of playing in the NFL. You know, Hell believes that he's somebody, just based on the, the, the attitude and the work ethic that he brought to Nebraska every day in two years, who will be the first in line to play special teams, all the special teams in the NFL. And a lot of times that's what gets you onto a roster. You get into a training camp and you have that willingness and that attitude and that positivity that he has brought over these last two years in Lincoln and you, you get the benefit of the doubt and you make a roster as a maybe you make make it as a taxi squad. Um, but eventually you get your opportunity in the NFL and you know I think his odds are are decent. Um, better than better than 50-50 to get that chance and and I hope he does for for him and for all that he's that he's fighting for. Mitch, we'll let you get out on this. Mitch Sherman from the Athletic Hale Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter and uh you're going to want to read uh, the Mills story from Mitch Sherman. Well, uh brackets and I know it's vacation but do you have a final four for the folks? Uh, Mitch Sherman's final four pick. Well, the committee sure did like the Big Ten, didn't they? <laughs> well, the Big Ten uh, liked all, the Big Ten. All wow. kinds of ones and twos, <laughs> of the Big Ten names. Um, you know, with the tournament starting, what, a day later this mm. year? I'm gonna, it's going to be weird on Thursday not to have games. I'm, I'm, I'm correct on that, right? I've been a, you'll, a you'll have, out this week. You'll, you'll have play-in games and one of the, right. like the marquee play-in games, UCLA, Michigan State. But in earnest, it gets rocking Friday, yeah. 
Right. I love the uh, I love the, the Spartans and the Bruins, by the way, in that's a play-in awesome. game. I feel like that's what the play-in game should always be. I know there's a 16-seeded play-in game, too, but that, that 11-seed play-in game, um, if you can find a couple of blue bloods who are who are a bit down on their luck any any given year, they should automatically be into the, <laughs> in that game. I want to see Duke in that game one year. I you know I, I'll have my bracket filled out by by Thursday or Friday. I also I'll say I think that maybe this is the year where the Big Ten is going to show well. I I think the Big Ten has been historically good this year, and you know we'll find out more uh, here this week and next week because th- there has been less to learn, less evidence with fewer out of conference games, certainly fewer of those marquee out of conference games that we normally get in December and a little bit of November. Um, but looking at the big 10, it looks so strong. And I was so impressed with Illinois and what it did in Indy, uh, over the weekend. Um, I, you know, I think we'll see at least, at least, one and probably two Big Ten teams um, in the Final Four. So uh, excited to see that and how the league represents itself and, and uh, perhaps a shot to get a championship, but but um, I cannot pick against Gonzaga to uh, cut down the nets at the end. Wow. Colin, your shot unbeaten Zags and the first to do it since uh, Bob Knight's crew in 76. Why not? Mitch, enjoy your time. Thanks for uh, jumping on with us today. All right. Thanks, Chris. Good to talk to you. Got to love Mitch Sherman. Thanks uh, to him for taking time out of vacation. So the bigger picture here with Mills departing and working on uh, helping out his family and a really awesome uh, story by Mitch Sherman on, on Diedrich Mills. You know, what's Nebraska got to, at running back now? Do they have a guy that can be the next Rex or Amir? That's the hope, right? If you're a Nebraska fan, get me a dude that is as good as Amir and or talented as Rex, easier said than done. Those two guys are absolutely special, special backs for Nebraska. But what you have in that running back room is well, a lot of unknowns. Uh, we're all pretty excited for uh, for Marquis Stepp. And, you know, with Stepp, he's a guy that can really bring some attitude, can also help uh, an offensive line that we think can be good. But if you got a good back paired with a decent line, they really complement one another. They help one another. I mean, with with Step, he's so good at yards after first contact, right? And that's something you're going to be looking for if you're Nebraska. Also, give the Nebraska play caller reason to stick with the run game because it's working. Now, the offensive line's got to be better uh, at that as well, and I think they can be. I think the offensive line was okay uh, running the football. We're just waiting on that point for Nebraska to get back to the ability to run the football when the defense knows you're going to run it and being able to get those yards. But with Morrison, uh, that's a guy that we didn't get to see that we're excited about, and Irvin. And then you got guys that have been in the program for a while. We'll wind on hour one next. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Some final thoughts here on the Nebraska running back situation as we look towards spring, and thanks to Mitch Sherman last segment again. Uh, his Mills story, and you know what Nebraska's got to have at that running back spot. They have options. We'll get to NFL free agency, and... How and why did the Russell Wilson to the Bears trade fall apart? We'll get to that. Rick Pizzo next hour. Utah State and former Nebraska assistant coach Craig Smith. He is dancing against Texas Tech. 
We'll check in with him in one, uh, well, about 10 minutes or so, about a segment away. So with Nebraska and the running back situation, you know, you, you had that room affected off and on by by COVID and just lack of development time because nobody got a spring ball, right? You've also got the injury bug that has lived in that room with with Tompkins and Scott, right? And you're hoping Step avoids that, the, the transfer in from SC, who can really kind of set the tone uh, with uh, his physicality. And uh, then there's, you know, Ronald Tompkins that is – insanely talented you just wonder if in and hope he can stay healthy as as an option so you're gonna have fantastic competition for coach held to sift through and uh, let's not forget about Ramir Johnson and I think about Ramir and and you know he looked really good against Iowa and that's nothing to sneeze at so we we started talking the running back room and the hope and aspiration is to have another Rex or Ramir or Roy in that room talent wise do you maybe do they ever reach that level coupled with a good offensive line and an offense that's balanced enough where you can't just key on a stud back uh the reality is maybe you can get a a divino zigbo type year out of somebody next year and beyond and you're gonna have your options um irvin is a guy that can kind of do it all Really like what uh, Nebraska got from him out of Georgia. Uh, Sevian Morrison, and I go back to what Spencer Tillman had to say about Morrison and uh, Derek Peterson's feature in the yearbook from Hale Varsity. So Morrison and Irvin are two guys that you're hoping Irvin's new, Morrison's been in, and y- you have that Big Ten protocol that was a reality for Morrison. And you just didn't get to see him, and Nebraska didn't get to see him beyond practice. So I think you're going to have a, a more consistent run game. You're going to have a healthier choice of options. You've got two new names in that room and Step and Irvin with some of the holdovers that can probably get better uh, after a year. And if you're Ramir Johnson, I mean, this is going to be your third year in the program. So you got to feel pretty good about things. And uh, couple that with what you got experience-wise at center. You're going to have another year of Piper at guard. You're looking for that other guard spot. And then your outside runs with uh, Ben Hart and Corcoran. I know Corcoran's only four quarters deep in his career, but he's a guy you're really excited about. You've got um, other options on that offensive line, and then you still have the quarterback run game element that you don't want to overuse. Uh, a second consecutive year but find a back or two that that gives your offense confidence and and then find a guy and, and stick with a guy that's the other part where you just for whatever reason didn't ever have a guy just get lathered up and keep feeding him the ball that's one thing that i'll always remember about mills is he had great games but he could have had more carries Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And this man always has his dancing shoes on come March the 11th seed, Utah State. We welcome in Coach Craig Smith, assistant at Nebraska, great run at South Dakota, and uh, an extension signed through 2026 at, uh, at, at uh, Utah State. Coach, congrats on what, uh, what an accomplishment. What a job you've done this year. I was looking at Twitter uh, yesterday, and we got the ultimate fist pump and, and show of emotion from you. You got to be feeling awesome, don't you? Well, it's been an amazing ride. Uh, you know, we started off the year one and two and, and had a couple of tough losses, although one of them was the VCU who made the tournament as an at-large as well. Um, you know, uh, it's been a great ride. And it always is when you make the NCAA tournament, especially at the level that we're at. You know, when you're at the BCS level, a lot of times if you can finish middle of the pack or, you know, even in the Big Ten this year, obviously nine teams make it, which tells you how difficult it is. You know, every time you turn around, you're getting punched, it feels like. I, I remember those days. Uh, but at the same time, you control your destiny. At our level, it's hard with scheduling and especially where we're at. So to be able to, to get second in the regular season and, and then we advance to the conference championship, you know, the last two years we were able to win that conference tournament championship and not have to sweat it out on, on selection Sunday. But we felt really good with our metrics. Our metrics were very, very strong. We always schedule up. And um, um, and we ended up winning 20 games, you know, in a shortened season that way. So we did a lot of things right. And we're coming off a season where we lost arguably the best player in the history of Utah State. Sam Merrill is playing with the Milwaukee Bucks right now. And, and we had nine new faces. So there's a lot of unknowns. But uh, after that slow start, we were really able to figure things out and finished with a flourish. And uh, we're, we're happy to have our dancing shoes on for the third year in a row. Greg Smith is with us, Sale Bar City Radio. And, Coach, we talked a year ago. We talked a year ago. You just won the, the conference tournament. You had a strong regular season as well. And, and then COVID hit. And from then to now, how have you been able to navigate, get your guys focused, and, and survive in advance, not just a basketball season, but this past calendar year, how have you been able to, to navigate it? Yeah, you know, Chris, that's a great question. It's, uh, it's been a difficult year for everybody, you know, whether you're a college athlete or any walk of life, right? There's just been quarantines and contact tracing and so many families and people affected uh, because of Corona. And, you know, some people thinking this, other people thinking that. So it's been difficult for everybody. Uh, it was it was a hard time when we, you know, we we were the first team last year to make the NCAA tournament. We beat number five ranked San Diego State on a last second shot. It was very dramatic, and we're so pumped. And we had been there the year before, didn't play great. I think our guys were really happy to be there, and we were ready to go make some noise. And so then when you get that stripped from you and taken away, you know, these guys get one year in their one, they get four years, maybe five years in their life to go cut down the nets and play in the NCAA tournament. And now you're, 25% of those opportunities are gone, and we, and we had made it, right? We didn't have a chance to make it. We made it. So that was difficult. At the same time, uh, we have an entirely new team. Going into this season, we had nine guys of our 15, 16 guys that had never played, uh, uh, never worn an Aggie uniform, never dressed, never played, never been around. 
So seven true freshmen, another redshirt freshman, and a transfer. So we had an entirely new team. And I think that maybe in some respects helped us because we were on a mission. We had a bunch of guys very determined. Our veteran guys wanted to get back. And um, despite a slow start, starting one and actually one and three, uh, our guys really hung together. We kept our eyes on the prize. We have tremendous chemistry and character. And, uh, and now here we are. So it's been a long road. I'm not sure everybody understands all the testing that goes into it. And there's a lot of anxiety. Even yesterday, before we left Las Vegas to come to Indy, we had to test. And you're sitting in there when they all come back negative. It's like you won a game. Yes, you know we're good for another day. And so like it's just uh, it's just one of those things and how it goes. But by this time, our guys are used to it, and um, and hopefully we can keep testing negative and and. Um, Show up and play on Friday against a very good Texas Tech team. That's where I'm going next. Craig Smith is with his head coach, Utah State, the Aggies, and uh, Red Raiders uh, get it going here as the NCAA tournament upon us. Uh, Tech not far removed from from playing for the title. They are uber talented. Your kids are are really good as well. And uh, talk to me a little bit here about the matchup, about the draw. Well, you get you're you're so pumped, right? Because you don't. We felt like we'd get in, but you just don't know. And and Texas Tech popped up on the sixth seed, and Utah State in eleven, and you're just just raw emotion, you know, that you did it. And then you sit down and start watching film. And you're like, oh boy. <laughs> but you know that that the NCAA tournament, everybody's good, everybody's talented, they're very well coached, and. Um, it's pretty cool. I know Chris Beard a little bit, not great, but uh, relatively well. He actually called um, shortly after the announcement. But we go back. There's two. Two. Um, Matt Mooney was a really good player for us at South Dakota. Uh, when we went to Utah State, Matt um, was a grad transfer. He grad transferred to Texas Tech. He was the starting point guard for them on their national championship run. And so I got to know Chris specifically through his recruitment of Matt. Mm. And um, so we have that common bond and that Husker fans will love uh, Tran Petaway. So I recruited Tran, and we did at Colorado State. And then, of course, when we came to Nebraska, and Tran committed to Texas Tech. Chris Beard was an assistant on that staff with Pat Knight and recruited Tran and his family. And so, you know, and things didn't work. You know, Pat Knight got let go. They hired Billy Gillespie. didn't work for Tran. Tran comes to the Huskers. And uh, Tran and his father, Terry, and mm-hmm. Tran's mother, Joetta, who's obviously passed away mm-hmm. from cancer a few years ago, they always said, like, um, there's a lot of similarities between me and Chris, and I don't mean that coaching. He's a way better coach than I am. But um, but it was all. It's interesting the ties and the connections, and 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 it goes through the Huskers with Tran, and we know the kind of career Tran had for for the Huskers. So it'll be a tough matchup. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to score 40 points because it could be difficult. <laughs> I mean, they are elite defensively, um, but. Hey, that's what that's what you go through the rigors for. You got to be built to win a lot of different ways, and we're excited for Friday to go out there and compete and see what happens. Coach, that is such a, a wacky six degrees of separation story, isn't it? I mean, between uh, your kid from South Dakota, Petaway, the Tech Factor, uh, and and the, the common two two big time common players, right? Well, I mean, know, yeah, it's small I mean, world, small what, world. What's in, what? What's incredible is I didn't know Chris Beard at all. Mm-hmm. 
and I, I'll never forget this. I was at, um, I was recruiting. I think I was recruiting. Oh, you know what? It was the final. It was the uh, final four in um, Dallas. And just gotten hired at South Dakota, and 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 Chris stayed at the same hotel, and we were both outside outside the front door. And he goes, he comes up and he introduces himself, and he goes, "Hey, uh, followed you the last couple of years. We recruited Tran, and I think Chris was a JUCO coach that one year, and then got um, uh, like a uh, Central Arkansas or somewhere mm-hmm. like that head coaching job." And uh, he comes up, introduces himself, and he goes, hey, we, I recruited Turan. Turan's parents loved you, always said great things about you, so on and so forth. And so, you know, here I am just getting hired at South Dakota. He was either at a JUCO or just got hired at his, um, you know, uh, school. Mm-hmm. And he comes up and says hi. And it's, just, it's funny how I just remember that moment. And it's all based around – Taran and his family, and so it's a pretty it's a pretty cool thing. And then obviously Matt Mooney, and so there's a relationship there. There's a lot of respect there. Craig Smith back with us, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, Utah State uh, back dancing, and that's uh, awesome news. And you'll hear all coverage of the NCAA tournament here on ESPN Lincoln. Coach, uh, I know you're in Indy. Uh, What's your take on the bubble situation? I know you're excited to play, but have you have you thought about everybody being in one location? And have you thought about it that much? Well, I haven't thought about it a whole lot. We we got in at about you know it's it's always hard when you're going from Pacific time to East Coast time. Uh, we landed yesterday about one little after one in the morning. Um, got to the hotel shortly after two, had a brief meeting, had to get, you know, got up early this morning. You try to sleep, but there's adrenaline and, um, you know, the safety is first and foremost mm-hmm. for the in term for the NCA, for everybody. So like our whole team is on one floor and I would assume that's the same, um, for everybody that's at this hotel and, um, we're at the hotel. I'm sure you've seen on Twitter where it has the bracket. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's on the whole side of the hotel or whatever. But anyway, I'm looking out my window. I see Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, but um, but you know what? It, we're, we're on a court. We tested this morning. We'll wait to get our results back, and then we got to test again right away tomorrow morning. We're all in self quarantine. Um, they're delivering meals, and uh, and so we'll have a Zoom, a team Zoom call tonight. Watching a lot of film on Texas Tech. And hopefully we'll be able to get in practice tomorrow. But what a unbelievable accomplishment! You know, everybody has their thoughts about COVID and and just all of that that it entails. But it's an incredible accomplishment to be able to pull this season off and uh, and do what they've done. And uh, even going through the Mountain West tournament, just the protocols and it, that thing was a well-oiled machine. How it all went down and. I just can't even imagine the thought process and all the organization that goes into it. So it's been a stressful year for everybody, but uh, they pulled it off, and I think they're allowing roughly 25% capacity is what I've heard. I, don't quote me on that mm-hmm. for the game. So uh, it should be an exciting March Madness. Coach, uh, you mentioned Petaway a little bit earlier in the interview. Does it feel like seven years since No Sid Sunday? Uh, no, not at all. Isn't that, that's incredible that it's been seven years. Uh, although those first two years at South Dakota, uh, you could argue those two years felt like ten. <laughs> but uh, just rebuilding that thing. But you know, we had such an amazing time at South at Nebraska. Um, those those two years, I, I still think about it 
it, it just went by on a flash. And, you know, that first year, Brandon Ubell mm. was a senior our, uh, our first year at Nebraska. And Brandon's a, GA, a graduate assistant for us at Utah State. And I always told Brandon, uh, him and I really developed a great relationship when he was a player and I was a coach. And I, I told him, I said, someday I'm going to hire you. Someday I'm going to hire you. And I'll never, he called me. You know, he had kind of a freakish in, knee injury and he's recovered, but um, uh, overseas. And he goes, Coach, I'm ready to take the plunge. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> like, it's not like being a player. And he's been unbelievable. He's got such a bright future ahead of him. Uh, but that first year's team was fun. Our record wasn't great, but those guys competed. We ended strong, beating Purdue in the tournament. And then, of course, that next year where we really caught fire. And no-sit Sunday is one of the most memorable moments of my life, my coaching career, certainly my family. We still talk about it and being able to advance to the NCAA tournament. And so Husker fans are incredible. They're passionate. They're loyal. Uh, it's just a tremendous fan base. And so those are two really, really special years. And we still stay in touch with a lot of our friends that we were able to, to develop relationships with, and including you, Chris. So I always appreciate being on your show. And it's hard to believe it's been that long. Well, Coach, we're waving the Aggie flag for you and uh, so happy for you and your success. And uh, go get him uh, against Texas Tech, Utah State, Coach Craig Smith. And, uh, Coach, best to you and your team, and we'll, uh, we'll do this again. Thanks for the time. Uh, appreciate you having me on, Chris. Go Aggies. Craig Smith, head coach, Utah State. Get them Aggie flags out. We can adopt a team, right? I mean, there's a thousand Big Ten teams. I don't know if you're all wild about adopting another Big Ten team, but why not uh, adopt uh, Utah State and your uh, former Nebraska assistant, Craig Smith. Great to get caught up with him. We've stayed in contact over the years, and he just wins, man. Uh, he just wins and uh, has done things at an at a uber-high level and a little bit of a surprise to some that, that Utah State got a – Got in that large, and it was so weird, man. I remember talking with Coach Smith a year ago during the, the the Boys State tournament, right when things got shut down by the NCAA. He came on, and then like an hour later, <laughs> the NCAA is like, you know, we're going to pause all activities because they were the first team to get their their dancing shoes on. So, uh, in in pure Homer Radio right now. We are going to pick Utah State not only to beat uh, to beat Texas Tech, they are also going to giant slay Arkansas and then probably fall to Ohio State in the Sweet 16. That's where we're going to go. Rick Pizzo's on the way. We'll check in with uh, Mr. Uh, Big Ten Buffet, get his take on the Big Ten. Uh, what's his outlook look like for Michigan? And uh, is there any danger with the, the mayor in Iowa State? Don't think so. I think uh, Iowa State's going to go target uh, Otts, as he's called, the um, former South Dakota State coach that's at, uh, at UNLV right now. Uh, appreciate Jason chiming in earlier, kind of wondering to me out loud about, you know, Miles. And Jim Miles did not get the New Mexico job. That was tweeted out and, and thought to be, the direction New Mexico was going to go. They decided to go with uh, Richard Patino. And I, I get the name. I get Patino's younger. I get that, you know, Minnesota was kind of around that same level as Nebraska with Miles, where a couple of times they'd knock on the door tournament-wise once they got in. 
and it was uh, eight and done for for Patino. I just don't like that hire. If you're New Mexico, you got a a guy in Tim Miles that's that's won and built in the Mountain West, and that's exactly where New Mexico is at right now. We'll see uh, what other doors open up for Coach Miles. Rick Pizzo is on the way with Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network, uh, Big Ten Buffet at BTN, Rick Pizzo on Twitter. Rick, you're going from the ice to the hardwood. Great time of year. How you doing? Doing okay, man. Hanging in there. We got one more night hockey, Big Ten Tournament final tonight between Minnesota and Wisconsin. Just back, as you mentioned, from Indianapolis and our coverage of the Big Ten Tournament. I got to tell you, Chris, it was so good to be in that stadium. Still a little weird with just five or 6,000 fans, but to be able to be in an arena watching live sports, especially a championship tournament, it felt like something of a return to normalcy, and that's always really good. You know, that normalcy feel, that energy, that crowd, and I know it's, it's a small percentage of what it usually is, We had state tournament coverage the last two weeks and two weekends where you had about 61, 6,200 in PBA for high school, and it it was electric. It felt super special, and I know your coverage and what you were able to do with the Big Ten tournament. Man, that normalcy, that energy is so great, and I can't wait to see how things uh, progress for the, the NCAA tournament. Rick, we'll get into the, the coaching carousel here in a little bit. I want to kind of get your reaction, though, of the Big Ten field. Nine teams are in. And uh, I want to start with Michigan and just your level of concern uh, and the livers factor with with where Michigan's at right now as they head into the NCAA tournament. Three or four losses, they're, they're still great. They're still a great team. But Livers is so key. You know, how are you with Michigan right now as we move forward? Yeah, I think so much of it for Michigan in the tournament, Chris, now is going to depend on matchups. Against Ohio State without Livers, they nearly won that game, a, a one-point loss. But, yes, they are not the same team without Isaiah Livers who can do – a little bit of everything. And unfortunately for Michigan, because of that exit from the Big Ten tournament and because of a couple of losses late in the regular season, they get that fourth number one. They get put on the side of the bracket with Gonzaga. And when you look at their region, officially the East region, obviously all these games will be played in the same place in Indianapolis. It's brutal. Alabama, if you don't watch the SEC, is really good. I watched them win the SEC championship. They're remarkably athletic. The three-seed Texas is a very popular pick by a lot of folks right now. Same thing, athletic, they can defend. And the four-seed is Florida State. And if you ever watch Florida State, they guard the ever-loving heck out of people. So (laughs) if you don't have the ability to go down to Hunter Dickinson and allow him to use his size, then you don't really have the advantage that Michigan has had over the course of the year because then you don't have the ability to kick it back out to Livers. Now, listen, Franz Wagner's a very good player. Mike Smith set a Big Ten tournament record with 15 assists in Michigan's opener against Maryland. They have other guys. 
but I think losing livers changes Michigan from being a Final Four favorite to maybe something of a surprise pick to actually get out of their own region. You nailed it. I mean, it is going to be difficult for, for Michigan now that they can't do it, but maybe the, the, the favorite has shifted. Illinois is loaded. Uh, I've filled out 400 brackets already. I'm kind of kidding. And and I like what, what Illinois can do. Iowa, I think, can be very special. And, and Rick, I really like the way Ohio State is playing right now. I know they kind of limped into the Big Ten tournament, but it was a, a brutal schedule. But I thought Ohio State played some great ball. Anybody else that, that you're kind of in on? Right now, if you're buying stock in this tournament, either from a matchup standpoint or a region standpoint that you like and you think could make a run out of the Big Ten, aside from some of the favorites? Yeah, if you want to buy stock in somebody that I don't think a lot of people are investing in right now, I might look at Purdue, and folks are ignoring Purdue because they would have a Sweet 16 matchup with Baylor. Baylor's really good, Chris. I mean, really good. But if they have one Achilles heel, they're not very big. They don't really go bigger than 6'9 with their primary lineup on the floor. And when you think of what Purdue has in not just Travion Williams down low, but Zach Eady, the 7'4 freshman, who's really come on late in the year, that height can really bother teams that don't play with that kind of size. Purdue can defend the heck out of you, too. Uh, I mean, with Aaron Wheeler and with Jaden Ivey and with Eric Hunter. So then they cut off your driving lanes, which is Baylor's bread and butter. And if you don't have the bigs down there, then I think if Purdue can get past North Texas, which I think they will easily in the first round, and then potentially play either Nova, who's without Colin Gillespie, or Winthrop, who would be undersized in that second round. I do going into the Sweet 16, and I do think from a matchup standpoint, Baylor's more talented. They're overall a better team, but this is about matchups in the tournament, and I love that height versus non-height of Baylor. I think Purdue is an interesting investment in this tournament. How fascinating would that be to see a Purdue-Ohio State matchup from the Big Ten's perspective in the Elite Eight? Some of us may have that. Just saying. <laughs> Some of us Okay. May. All right. Fair enough. I just, for whatever reason, and I'm going to be, we're going to burn this tape if it's not accurate. For whatever reason, I'm just, I, I think Baylor will stub their toe. I, I'm wowed by Gonzaga. I'm wowed by Illinois. I'm wowed by Iowa. I, I, I think Baylor, as money as they are, um, may be vulnerable. And, and again, famous last words, right? Rick Piso's with us on Hale Varsity Radio, uh, Big Ten Network at BTN, Rick Piso. Rick, I want to get to the coaching carousel, and I was reading up on the Indiana position as uh, Archie is gone, and uh, Indiana had a booster uh, buy him out. There's another booster waiting to uh, go uh, take care of the I's and dot the, uh, the, the, the across the T's for the next hire. Where is Indiana going? I know the name I like. Is, is John Beeline the name you like? Well, John Beeline's an interesting name to surface. got to remember John is 68 years old. And I think that's interesting from both perspectives. Does John want to buy into something in the conference that he coached in and still has a bunch of ties to players that are at Michigan? And how long would he be interested in doing that? And would Indiana be interested in what I would think would be something of a stopgap? Is there five years? Is there more than five years? Then you're in your mid-70s. Obviously, listen, the name Scott Drew is going to be thrown out there based on what he's done in Baylor. But I think the turnaround that Drew has orchestrated down in Waco is probably one of the greatest turnarounds in the history of college basketball. 
right? You're less than two decades uh, removed from the Dave Bliss tragedy of the player being killed and murdered and the blame on, on a player for drugs and the, the program basically blowing up. And now they're one of the top teams in the country. I think Scott Drew's pretty happy where he is. I think you're going to hear the name Chris Beard at Texas Tech thrown around. And, and the reason why is the style he plays. He's intense. He's all about defense and fundamentals, and he's a little bit like Bob Knight. And you know that Indiana faithful loves Bob Knight. There's some other names that I think will be thrown about. You know, I think a name that could actually kind of accelerate the entire coaching carousel, and I don't necessarily know if he would be an intrigue for Indiana, is Mike White down at Florida, younger guy who I think has done terrific things and is ready for a big, big-time job. Now, Florida is a big job, but it's not as big-time as it was mm-hmm. when Billy Donovan was there. And that could accelerate everything, which could have an impact on Indiana. I also think, Chris, you just can't wait too long. I mean, you have to have this hire ready. You obviously probably have to vet everybody and talk to coaches that are playing in the NCAA tournament once they're done. So you have to wait until the final four is over. But if I'm Scott Dolson, I want to have something done in Bloomington with my guy no no more than one week after this year's NCAA tournament's all done. Some of the names that I like, and I just wonder about their job – in, in comparison to, to its value on campus, and Nate Oates killed it at Buffalo, is phenomenal at Bama, always going to be in the shadow of football there. Does he get a phone call uh, for the Indiana job? I, li- I love the Chris Beard take because he's won in Lubbock. Not a lot of folks win in Lubbock, and he's big time. Plus, he's got the, the, the Patrick Knight tie. He was an assistant for him. Musselman's at Arkansas. Uh, I know Porter Mosier. Indiana's also got a lot of ego, and I they deserve that. They they've been an incredible program. They think they're at a certain uh, level, and they're going to go after the best of the best. So I'm going to throw this name out there, and uh, don't hang up. What about uh, Rick Pitino? I just think there's too much baggage there. Okay. I just I don't think you got to remember how long ago was it that Kelvin Sampson and all the issues at Indiana surfaced? It wasn't that long ago. I mean, we're talking That's the Big Ten Network era, so we're talking less than 15 years ago. Do you want to go down that path with a guy who was in basketball exile and had to go to Greece? If I'm Scott Dolson, I'm nowhere near that. Now, maybe others think differently, but I have no interest in going down that road for an older coach who has that much baggage mm-hmm. when he arrives in Bloomington. Uh, Porter Moser is interesting, and he's a guy who's going to win a ton of press conferences. He's going to get a lot of looks. Is Minnesota perhaps a better fit for Moser after Richard Patino's dismissal? There are going to be openings, and Moser is going to be a guy who a lot of folks are interested in. I do think that Mike DeCourcy, good friend of ours and a Big Ten Network contributor, said yesterday that Indiana is going to want a coach with gravitas. They are going to want a guy who walks in and commands the room, uh, much like uh, Urban Meyer in football for Ohio State or or any of the big-time coaches who, when you walk in the room, you know that they are there. Uh, And I know those guys are few and far between, but that's what Indiana wants, and I think that's what the fan base wants. That's exactly what the boosters want. Scott Dolson now is tasked with the job of finding that guy, finding that guy who wants this job, and finding that guy who can turn a program around quickly because it has been far too long for the Indiana faithful since they have faced any kind of championship. A few more minutes. Rick uh, Pizzo with his Big Ten Buffet. Hail Varsity Radio. We're going to take Rick to the other side. We'll 
dive into the Minnesota opening. His thoughts on Nebraska, Oklahoma. You need to be down at Long Wells on Friday. Prizes for picks back after the uh, the tournament got wiped out by COVID last year. So uh, we invite you down to Long Wales with ESPN Lincoln. And uh, what a spot, man. What a spot to eat some wings, drink a beer, watch the NCAA tournament. Of course, the play-in games get rolling at 4 on Thursday. Hooks and uh, Willie J, Elijah Herbal, maybe a Damon Barr sighting Friday. Get on down to Long Wales. Hooks and friends will be on 9 to 11 on location. And they will gear you up for the NCAA tournament and the prizes for picks. The first 64 through the door at Longwell's. Your chance to get ESPN swag and a chance to be one of our uh, featured four prize winners. So that is some awesome goodies you can get when we talk about prizes. Uh, we'll be doing Hail Varsity Live Monday on Championship Monday down at Longwell's. But our tournament headquarters, man, going to be down there in the rail yard. Longwell's prizes for picks is back. And uh, go hang out. Hooksy will be a good old time. You know that, man. Hooks is, he's got a major and a minor in that. Uh, Willie J's awesome. Pet that glorious mullet. Ask him first. And uh, for sure, uh, make sure you buy uh, Elijah a cocktail. I'm in Arizona. I'll be back next week. So I am very sad about missing uh, tournament time with all of our listeners. But there's more tournament, and I'm sure I'll bump into you. But uh, prizes for picks, Friday, Longwells, be there. 9 to 11 live show, tournament follows. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio. We continue some more thoughts here with Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet, at BTN Rick Pizzo, and more coaching carousel thoughts. Let's dive into the gopher gig. The Minnesota job. They move on from Richard Patino. That's a really nice job. There's talent in the region. You can win there. And uh, they just haven't at a consistent level. So is is Craig Smith a guy you think of? And I know he just signed him an, ex- an extension. And he's been on with us today. And, and I... I don't know. He he's from there, but what are some some names that are on your radar for the Minnesota gig? And what do you think of that job? Yeah, I think it's a really good job. I think you bring up a good point. I, I think folks look past that job. It's a really good job. They're going to have funds anytime that football starts to win. Basketball is usually also a bonus recipient of some of the fallback, and obviously Minnesota has won over the last couple of years with P.J. Fleck in football. Uh, I think Richard Pitino leaves a pretty good framework there. Uh, you're going to lose some important players. Obviously, Marcus Carr's decision is upcoming. But at the end of the day, that's a place where you can win if, Chris, and I'm glad you brought this up, there is a ton of high school basketball talent in Minnesota. The trouble is they haven't been keeping that talent in Minnesota. Now, a lot of the top-tier guys, that you know, have seen guys go to Duke and other places. I understand you're not going to keep those players. You cannot get three- and four-star guys and allow them to go to Wisconsin to go across the border. That's the key for recruiting there. I do think that Porter Moser is going to be a really interesting name there because he's done great things at Loyola Chicago. He makes around one, one, one point two million a year. I'm thinking Minnesota can at least double, if not more than double that. You're recruiting the general area. You know all the teams in the Big Ten. I think if... I am Mark Coyle, the AD there. That's probably the first call that I make. 
I do think that Craig Smith's an interesting guy, but you mentioned the extension. Uh, also, I think that Coyle is in a different situation than Scott Dolson. I think you can wait a little longer at Minnesota. Now, you want your guy, but you also want some dominoes to fall because maybe a name opens up in three to four weeks that isn't going to be there in three to four days. That's a great point. Rick Pizzo's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Rick, a uh, thought in, you know, Nebraska fans, Iowa State's open. I think Fred Hoiberg's buyout's too much. I don't know that you try and – if I'm Iowa State, I try and repeat history with Hoiberg. I think Hoiberg's off the table. This uh, this uh, this buyout that Moose put in for, for the mayor's – really high so i mean fred's i I think fred's gonna do great things and i know nebraska just just won seven games but fred's a guy that with these job openings uh i i i would go get fred because i think he could be incredible but i'm i I think he's safe do you think he's safe do you think anyone knocks on fred's yeah no 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 no. i don't think he's going anywhere you know the iowa state situation you got to remember it's hard to do something like that once at a school it's impossible to do it twice yeah paul just fired dave lato for the second time after they brought him back so it doesn't work sometimes and the second hire at a school which is not perennially a power inside whatever their conference is, mm-hmm. is a really bad move for both the school and the coach. And I, I know that conversation has to be had because of Fred's history in Ames, but I don't think that conversation is worth having. I don't see any way that he is not on the sidelines of PBA in the fall. Rick Bezo with us. Rick, last thought, uh, kind of a scary moment Friday for Nebraska football fans. There was talk in Nebraska trying to, to, to get out of Oklahoma, Nebraska for 2021 and bring in an eighth home game. Uh, all is quiet now, and that game will be played. Did, did this pop up on your radar at all? Did you see this on Twitter? Didn't see it coming until I saw the reports on Friday, and I give Bill Moose a lot of credit. You know, there's that great saying, by I think it was by Don Cannon, the old AD at Michigan years and years ago, who said, never allow a one-day story to become a two-day story. Mm-hmm. And Bill Moose, later the afternoon, that afternoon after the story surfaced, said, yes, we had to look at the possibility of an eighth game to offset the financial blow from the COVID pandemic, but we are excited. We are playing Oklahoma. This is important. Let's stop this conversation right now. That was the right way to handle it. Nebraska needs to play Oklahoma no matter what the result is. Uh, That's more important than an eighth home game right now. The money will be there. The Big Ten Network money will be there. The conference money will be there. The ticket sales hopefully will be at 100% in the fall. This was a game that Nebraska, for many, many reasons, needed to keep on its schedule. Rick, have a great week. Uh, We'll be following you with your coverage of the NCAA tournament, the Big Ten, and appreciate your time, brother. Chris, it's always great to catch up, man. Enjoy. This is the best time of the year. Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet, good stuff. We'll uh, get in touch with Mr. Pizzo uh, after the tournament gets underway and just see how the Big Ten teams fare. And uh, with Tim Miles in New Mexico uh, moving that direction to get uh, Richard Patino Jr., we'll see if and where Tim Miles lands. We'll see if uh, UNLV becomes open with Otzelberger, perhaps getting that phone call. To, to Iowa State. NFL free agency's been crazy. And <laughs> you have the Chicago Bears settling for the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, one year, $10 million. What was in the works was Russell Wilson. Dan Orlovsky kind of outlined what had to happen 
for Chicago to, to, to do that, and you needed a third team because Seattle needed to get a young quarterback and some first-round picks. And it was honestly just too rich for Chicago's blood. You and I both know Bears fans. Maybe you are one. And you've been angry for a long time. And it's okay to still be angry. But the, the proposal was this. The, the Bears get Russell Wilson. The Jets would get Khalil Mack, a second-round pick, Kyle Fuller, and Allen Robinson. That's a lot. And the Jets would have gotten Sam Darnold in three first-round picks. So, hold on, I said I said Jets. Shoot me here, sorry. Seahawks would have got Darnold and three first-round picks, okay? So this didn't work out. Chicago said, eh, I'm good. And let me say this. Fuller's a great corner. Khalil Mack's very special. Allen Robinson's as good as there is when he's healthy. And he's been spectacular if you really take into account the garbage throwing to him a lot of times. Russell Wilson's 32, 33. Russell Wilson's been beaten like a pinata. Russell Wilson is great. He's a Super Bowl champ. Does getting Russell flip Chicago when you don't have Robinson to throw to, you don't have Max Sack in the quarterback, and you don't have Fuller pick six in it? Is Russell going to make you a 10-win team all by himself? I. It's a no-brainer that Russell is a yes over the red rifle. I wouldn't give up on Sam Darnold. I don't mind that if I'm Seattle. Plus, I get three first-round picks. To, to rebuild a, a depleted and aging defense. This wasn't meant to be. Chicago and Russell would have been great, but Chicago hung up the phone. Bears fans, knee-jerk is another awful decision by head coach and GM. Let's crucify both. Uh, if you step back for a moment, as great as Russell is, is he worth Mac? Fuller and Robinson and a second round pick. That's three dudes, three ho- uh, three pro bowlers and one Hall of Famer and then Mack for Russell. Chicago's usually screwing things up. I think this was a hard decision to say no to but I think they made the right call. Miss us? Come here brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, and, and, and listen, back to this Russell Wilson, Jets, Seattle, Chicago triangle here. My, my question is this for Bears fans that are irate. Are you solely and only a quarterback away? And the answer is probably yes, but if you take all those other puzzle pieces, you don't have a very nice-looking uh, jigsaw puzzle on the uh, the old card table, right? <laughs> I mean, the picture could, could end up being a bit blurry. And you know, I reached out to resident Chicago Bears fan Greg Smith, and he's like, dude, th- that's a lot of pieces. Russell's money. But he he can't go sack the quarterback and do interceptions. 
And the other thing, too, is are you really at this point, and I know Mac had a, a down year last year, but are you really at the point where you're moving on from, from Khalil Mack? You mortgaged the world to go get him. And it paid off that first year. Reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing seatbelts. If used properly, a seatbelt can and will reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Think about the Indiana situation. Calvin Sampson, gun. Tom Crane or Dwight Schrute, gun. Archie Miller, gone. John Cougar and his checkbook, who are they going to bring in? It'll be fascinating. All right, Damon Barr, what are you doing for St. Patty's Day? Looks like a uh, night of uh, class until 9 on St. Patty's Day. So then you go get primed. (laughs) Yeah, I got to go straight into it right after class, so no no warm-up tomorrow. Are you uh, are you a big Guinness guy? Are you an Irish car bomb guy? Are you just give me a green beer and I'm good? What what are we doing? I'll take a, I'll take some Bailey's. Make me like a little uh, maybe like a coffee if I'm getting tired. A uh, hot cocoa with Bailey's kind of going on. Add a fireball in there maybe. Okay, okay. So are you a, a big St. Patty's Day St. Um, Patrick's Day guy though? I haven't really celebrated uh, since because you've been you 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 just turned twenty one. Right, I just turned twenty one last year, and then COVID shut down. Down Patty's Day and so the you really got hosed. So yeah, I'm a St. Patrick's Day virgin this year. So we'll see how I survive, dude. I want you wearing the Notre Dame Fighting Irish mascot suit, and I, I want you rocking on on a curb on O Street at two thirty. I'll have a green set of beads around my neck to add to that, and that's the perfect uh, combo. Just don't there. do anything that is so compromising it will ruin your political career in the future. <laughs> I got to keep that in mind. You're right. I'm just saying. I mean, you're a good-looking kid, but I don't want to see Damon flashing anybody on O Street. <laughs> Son, how'd you earn those? None of your business. <laughs> ah, look, Damon's got his shirt off, and he's singing "Cheer, Cheer" for Old Notre Dame. He wants those green beads. God save us. Pray that I don't come home from Arizona and there's 7,000 strands of green beads on my wife's nightstand. She loves St. Patrick's Day. Charge, honey. All right. Off to Zoda. Back uh, next time. Enjoy. Take care. Thanks for listening to Hail Varsity.